Igawao acknowledges the traditional owners of the land upon which we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Good evening, everybody. I'm Good Brother. And I'm Lil Silky. And welcome to Ego Hour, the show where we deliver objectively true film reviews. It's about the time before we come. Anything said over the next 60 minutes will stand up in a court of law, and any argument you find yourself in with a film school. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-refundable, and non-script. So, let's talk about Amelie. First released on the 25th of April 2001 in France and Boxing Day 2001 in Australia, Amelie, also known by its British release title Emily, is the story of Amelie, a quirky French woman who begins completing random acts of kindness to find joy vicariously. Written and directed by Jean-Pierre Genet, the film is the highest grossing French release in the United States, making $174.2 million on a $10 million budget, and is well loved by many people from film school. Colloquially speaking, of course. The film clocks in with a runtime of 123 minutes and may just make you wish you were a more interesting person. Well put. These intros keep getting better and better. Yeah, I thought there was no like obvious sort of like content joke with this one, so I thought I'd go with the, the Emily, you know. Yeah, I, was I liked pleased it. With it. Um, so, huge episode today for reasons about to be revealed. We have an extremely special guest. Boy, I got a surprise for you tonight. You got a guest. Welcome, my guest. Say hello, guest. Boy, I got a surprise for you tonight. You got a guest. Welcome, my guest. Say hello, guest. Should we introduce the guest or should they introduce themselves? She is the mother of podcasts specifically this podcast <laughs> it is in fact our mother <laughs> our mom shaz shaz welcome to is, the that, show. is that what you want to be shaz, you're on stage yeah, shaz, you're on. Shaz, shaz works hi guys thanks for having me along today i'm ready to enjoy the ride and have a good time thanks well put um before we get stuck into talking about the film we always like to check in on everyone. Hey girl, I know it's been a while, but I, I just need to ask you something. How you feeling? Girl, tell me how you feeling. So let's start with our guest. How are you doing, Shaz? What's news? Yeah, this is new for me, so I, I hope I hope I can bring something to the cast that podcast that uh, hasn't but yeah this is my highlight of the week thank you being looking forward to it yes i have thanks i think it's worth noting that i think it's worth noting that shaz and i are sharing the same microphone so there's a bit of looking at each other as we try to address the microphone at the same time so it really feels like we're in a room very adorable well you are in a room (laughs) well no it feels like we're at the with you and you know Mm. virtually Yes. Anyway. And I haven't seen either of these people in many months now, since July. 
Yeah. And it is what, uh, October as we record? Four months ago. Mm. So it's been a while? Been a while. Mm. How are you, Tom? I'm good. Uh, similar grind to normal, I suppose. Just uni and, you know, trying to communicate with teachers via email and that sort of nonsense. But yeah, all good. I was in a, I'm actually in a really good mood because I found a really good EP this week entitled Anthem, <laughs> Anthem Plus Three by Father John Misty. I've been belting those tunes very excitedly. It has quickly overtaken the music listening of you, your, your place, I can tell. I'm getting yes. messages from both of you about it. I think it got about five repeats at least yesterday. It is pretty damn good, I, I would agree. Yeah. And you, good brother, how are you? I'm good. Had my week off uni this week and been enjoying the sunshine, hoping for a soon lockdown easing, but it's not looking great. Hey, don't get political on the pod, thanks. We're not about I'm getting, I'm getting factual. Yeah. <laughs> easing would be nice. Yes. Sneezing would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in a good mood as well. It's a nice day. It's another, another day recording, two in a row. We might just be a daytime pod. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looking at the afternoon beers with uh, white eyes, so we'll see what and happens. I seem to be rocking up with an orange juice every week, mm. which has gone well so far. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just ch- uh, chatting to Mum here, and we were saying that maybe on a nighttime pod you'd find us with a Bailey's in hand, <laughs> but yep. not today. All so right, let's get stuck in. <laughs> that was a fun intro. <laughs> let's go. Context. What do you know about Amelie before viewing this, good brother? Amelie is a film that I had seen in many DVD stores throughout my childhood. It's an extremely recognisable cover, um, iconic in many ways. I didn't know anything about it beyond it being French, probably. I, I doubt I even knew that. Um, I... Thought I think I thought that it was like a horror film when I was younger because it's got the weird green and she's got like a devilish look, a look on her like face. It looks like Coraline, don't you reckon? Yeah. I've think... never seen Coraline, but they have the exact same cover, like the green, the smoky green and the, um, the bob cut and the white face. Quite similar. What's your context for this, for both of you? For me, I, I was aware it was a French film, so it was one that thinking I've got to watch when I'm ready to be focused or like because it was subtitled and uh, yeah but I'd sort of forgotten about it as well like you Nick I'd seen it covers and it'd pop up in places mainly the DVD stores and mm-hmm. yeah um, cherished memory the DVD stores yeah yeah we probably easy. saw them on the same trips together I'm assuming mm. yeah yeah mm. um, and for me, I just knew it was uh, a famous film. I knew it was quite stylized, and people at uni had spoken about it. Actually, the context I had heard was that they used the camera interestingly, which seems to be a reoccurring theme in the French films that make it here um, and make waves here. But I knew uh, in cinematography class, we talked about how they used uh, wide lenses in an interesting way. Um, so I can like jump. I did research the facts, so I'm not just lying about this one, but I'll get into it. So Del Bonnell, the cinematographer, or I'm sure it's Del Bonnell, 
explains that each sure face is rendered. <laughs> it explains that each face is rendered uh, differently by a given lens, and before shooting Amelie, the filmmakers sought the ideal lens for the actress. We did tests to find out the focal lengths and the camera height that suited her best. Jean Pierre doesn't like to have a camera at eye height, very different to Lil Silky, so there's always a slight tilt up or down. With a short focal length, a tilted camera usually becomes significant in terms of perspective. We found the slight tilt angle, usually a tilt up, which was the limit that uh, Audrey's face could take the actor, of course. We saw that her face worked well with 25mm and 27mm lenses, that 21 still works for her, but you have to be careful because the 18mm doesn't work, nor does the 35 Which, and that was from the American Cinematographer magazine, which is, you know, high re- highly reputable. I'm subscribed to that. Yeah, I Definitely. Read it every month. Of course. Um, but yeah, that's interesting immediately because not uh, it's it's a lot. It's a very uh, cinematic thing to have uh, longer lenses that compress the image more, as you would know as well. So, is that saying that it's the whole film is shot on those like lenses or just particularly her stuff. specifically? Mm. Okay. Um, but the the whole film is pretty wide, and the thing with wide lenses as well is that you get more depth of field, which is interesting. Um, obviously, you get more of a fisheye effect, so it's. It's quite stylized, basically. Um, but it definitely works in such a inverted commas, quirky film, of course. Love a quirky film. Yeah. So I want to backtrack a little bit. Have, have mm-hmm. you not seen this before, Shaz? I thought you had seen it. I thought I had too, but I think I'd started it, but it was um, back in the days of DVDs. And thought it was French and pretentious, so you turned it off. No, it was the days when we had kids that if you were interrupted, I felt you had to invest the time. To because you have to concentrate because you have to read it, not just hear it. So uh, we paused it and didn't get back to didn't it. Didn't get back to it. Yeah, interesting. Those kids, mm. yeah, ruins your cinema life. Exactly. I can't imagine times. having kids and then like not being able to watch MA movies just casually. Yeah, mm. I haven't thought about that. What about all the classics? Like, um, I don't know. There'll be blood to start off. Obviously. I remember hearing like. Um, Austin Powers from my bedroom when you guys were watching that, like when I'd been put to bed and stuff like that. It's funny when like... Um, the negotiation techniques to watch a movie. Yeah, exactly, well, exactly. Yeah. And also you can't put on something for, that's so slow. Like we have the luxury of watching all these slow films now, Tom. And it's like mm. you couldn't even dare do anything mm. that was like that. Exactly. The big yeah. question, could you show your kids I'm thinking of ending things and what would happen? Oh, <laughs> What did That's you think of that? Quickly, quick sidebar, Shaz. Yeah, what did you think? Well, well, once I understood it, I enjoyed it. And as I said to top little Silky, <laughs> that I, it, it hooked me enough to, to, to watch the whole thing, but it was a bit of a long-winded um, to get to the end of the whole thing. But, yeah, on reflection, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think it's pretty hard to say there's not value in it, I, but, you know. I can also see people wanting to dislike it because they feel offended, as did Shag. <laughs> Shag and Chaz, the two guests yeah. so far. Yeah, um, amazing. What, what's uh, worth talking about just generally as well is the fact that this journey we're going on is pretty much um, is being experienced by mum and dad at the same time because you guys are all, all shacked up together. Yeah. So mm-hmm. everything that we've watched has been seen and had an opinion form by Shaz. Mm-hmm. She could almost True. start her own podcast at this point. Yeah. The only one I remember remember at the start of the year, we watched um, Killing of a Sacred Deer and we we're going to get mum and dad to watch it, but they didn't. So 
that would have been an interesting one to get some takes on. Probably a good pod kind of episode, mm. but we'll see so what we happens. Can, we can work towards that, yeah. And another a sidebar that is not particularly relevant, it's just happened to me. Um, so you love the film, <laughs> like, Lahaine, right, Tom? Or Lahaine. That's a French film, isn't it? Lahaine? Lahaine, Lahaine. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. We watched it this year. Sim- I, I'm pretty sure I, we talked about it in the same cinematography class as this because, you know, the, uh, the Westerner mind doesn't stray far from grouping French films, maybe. But they, uh, like, as, yeah, as I said, the French films we see normally have good camera work. So I don't know what's going on. Do you but... remember The Untouchables? Is, is that what it was called? Intouchables. Yeah. Intouchables. Yeah, you, we watched that with you guys. And... I don't remember the camera particularly. No, though. I don't either. But I remember that was a good movie to... Um... There's, it's definitely like a, a famous thing that French uh, filmmakers are interesting with the camera. Like, I think it's Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc Godard who is a very influential filmmaker from, like, the 60s, maybe. And, like, he's a new wave cinema in France. And so he influenced, like, Scorsese and all those blokes coming out in the 70s and 80s. Um, So French film history is significant, is basically the point. That was, jumping back, that was my memory, too, that it did well for the nominations. That was one of the reasons. Yeah, that we wanted to um, get back to it and watch it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I anyway, I brought up Lahaine because I watched a film directed by the same guy um, called Gothica last night, and it was very bad. Really? <laughs> like, really bad. It was like a corny horror thing um, with Halle Berry, very 2000s, and they played um, Behind Blue Eyes by Lip Biscuit over the credits, and it was just, <laughs> like, not good. Yeah, wow. Well. So it's just interesting in the you canon can... of French, French influence. Yeah, the can- it's not canon. They just ignore it conveniently. Well, they must. Uh, yeah. But like, I, I do feel like Amelie, the most immediate memorable thing was the camera to me. Like the stylization is very present. Um, it's sort of like, I think, I feel like it must have been an influential film. And even though Wes was active before, it did, it did, it was reminiscent of a Wes Anderson film to me. Cue the music. Everything I see is in stop motion Everyone's in a play and it's symmetrical Yeah, um, I guess it's films that are carried on the momentum comes from i guess stylistic choices rather necess- more so necessarily than the the plot i guess mm-hmm. uh, not not to take away from the plot in these films and Wes Anderson films but it's the main thing pushing you along i think mm. yeah um but having said that Wes is a lot different with color the color in this was kind of strange don't know if you noticed that yeah they it had... is weird and like i didn't like it at the start particularly but you do i think warm up to it it's. I guess maybe it's very. It feels of its time, a, mm-hmm. a bit. That's what I would very, say too. Yeah. What is it? Green, a green tinge sort yeah. of thing. Does what was feel weird? Very 2000s. Was it, it's sort of contrasty, like. So it, it was very orange and green, in my opinion. Like the skin tones were really warm, um, but then green and orange don't normally go together as a thing because, like, green is like. Uh, I mean, orange is summery and warm and like uh, nostalgic. But then green is normally used like sickly horror sort of stuff. Like Seven's an extremely, uh, like obviously dark film, but Seven is extremely green. They use green all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of been coded to be uh, menacing. 
And then it was just so strange to see green and orange used together in this film um, in a nostalgic way, right? Um, so, and then I, another thing, I, I, that opinion was my own, just to, to clarify, but I did read that um, there were very few blues in this film, which is interesting because blue is another sort of nostalgic. And the other thing, sorry, just quickly to finish that point, is that currently orange and teal is a very big grading thing. Um, orange and teal is like the Transformers look in its worst, but it's basically like the modern film look where you make everyone's skin sort of glow in and orange and then you like bring up these blues. Um, I don't know. To me, I can clearly see images of like cars and people and like it's just like a cinematic look. But So this obviously diverted from that in an interesting way. It's funny to think so this is mainly color grading stuff or it goes down to like set design and all of that as well you think uh obviously a combination to some extent um but the other thing is about emily is that it was made in like two th- uh, i just said about 2001. it yeah 2001 <laughs> um and it was like obviously you can kind of tell they're pushing the the early technological cgi sort of stuff um mm. there's a few sequences where like for example where she falls into water and stuff like that um, and then the fish flopping under the fridge, all that stuff, early CGI stuff. The other thing that happens in 2000 is Oh Brother Where Art Thou comes out, which is the first fully digitally digital intermediate film, which means it's the first film that they graded um, on computers. So this was graded on computers too, which mm. definitely changed how films look. Good bit of research there, I think. That wasn't research. That's uh, from the old noggin, from the, the old, old university tinker. studies. Thank you very much. And what do you have to add to that, Chaz? <laughs> I was just thinking about as he was, but there it was inside. A lot of the the scenes were inside, weren't they? Emily. Yeah. So. Hmm. I was just thinking about when you're saying the colours, what's opposite on the colour wheel and what have you, whether anything neutralises anything. But hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think it, basically I would say that Amelie is quite memorable for its production. Like that does significantly stand out how stylized it is. Um, apparently, so for example, I was talking to someone at uni who had watched this and they loved it and they were talking about how one of the teachers they um, uh, had had said they didn't like it and they said it was unrealistic because or they did, what they didn't like about it was that they had, um, it was a very nostalgic look at France. It's very like, um, it's kind of, it's very romantic and romanticized the city. Everyone's kind, except for the one guy who gets punished for being unkind. And like everyone sort of gets along, no crime sort of stuff. Um, and apparently they removed graffiti, CGI. So like, um, he didn't like that. But then... Uh, so that definitely comes into play with these colors and camera work and stuff. It's a very optimistic movie. Um, and then tying I that would to say, plot, I reckon romantic is the is the best way I, of putting I, it. I've to be been honest. waiting to I'm waiting to say it's a fun romantic and um, lose yourself. I, I think that's uh, as a female. But yeah, that what was, do you mean? As well, a, female? F- a female in Paris, and you know, it's all that image in your head that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Very you mean romantic. like a romantic look at at yeah. France? It's like yeah. I guess I was going to say that how that tied to the plot. 
um, story-wise, I sort of, like, I feel like it was sort of a strange story because it always sort of teetered on being grown-up and childish at the same time. For example, like, at the start, you, you sort of get introduced to these characters and she's telling stories about, like, having sex and stuff like that. And, like, there's that scene where she's on the rooftop and they're orgasming and stuff. And it's like, that's obviously a grown-up theme sort of thing. And they're sort of making fun of it. But then, like, if you pretty much cut that out and the fact that the guy works at a porno, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, adult store, um, you could probably show this movie to kids. So it's just sort of funny that, like, the film has that identity. Like, what do you think of that, either of you? I I also think it that's a humorous side. You know, like, mum mum died pretty tragically. Remember someone (laughs) fell on top of her Mm. from Mm. the... uh, Yes, so those made it a bit of a romantic comedy. I think that um, it's meant to be like an absurdity of life sort of thing. It's like an, mm. uh, it's the kind of thing it's going for. It's like, well, how quirky and, and, and absurd is everything that happens? Like everything's up to chance and possibility and life falls the way it falls. I think is like the vibe it kind of goes for, I guess, which mm. ties in with like the nostalgic toning and all of that, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I think that that's the point. It's like it, it, it's trying to stay away from being too childish and like I guess dreamy or like um, fantasy and I guess those sort of elements are like kind of trying to ground it enough that an adult won't watch it and go like, oh, this is a kid's movie. Yeah, so do you think that they had to do that then? Like was that a deliberate strategy um, to make I th- it I think more... it's meant to be like a, a an adult's romance and adult's fantasy is a sort of thing you know like it's meant to be very pure but it's not meant to i think they're trying not to make it just be for kids Mm -hmm. you know because if you looked at this film and saw it was rated g you'd probably go yeah look that's probably is it rated g no of course it's not rated g how would it be rated g (laughs) oh it's talking about it's not it's not either g is for like (laughs) g tom (laughs) actually what's a g isn't little women a g or something like that oh yeah i remember um when we were doing media studies and re- looking at the classifications, you can go on and look at what the news are. And they were saying how like Blinky Bill had just been released and they were like um, arguing because they'd been given a PG rather than a G because there were some scary scenes or something like that. And obviously that's like a huge thing in children film marketing because mm. you can't show, like you can't leave your kids in the room to watch Blinky Bill if it's PG all of a sudden. A lot of politics goes into that. And then there's like magic times that you're allowed to say the f word and stuff like that and like i think it's full frontal nudity and stuff like that yeah that stuff is all interesting i guess um i think it's particularly interesting in like america like they've got the pg-13 to r jump like it feels like a bigger jump than out like uh, we've got that intermediate m which makes Mm. it feel a bit um m plus which is um but in it changed. Between. It, it, it was M15 plus and then MA15 plus, but now it's just M, which has sort of like loosened the idea that you can't watch it unless you're 15. You know what I mean? Like it's, and it, it, signif- it significantly affects the film, your classification, obviously. Mm, yes. Anyway, so like I suppose the edge of this film is interesting, but it definitely made me think that there was going to be a more sinister thing that happened. I thought um, it would backfire on her or something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah I was there's no real downside. The only downside is that she sets up that guy with the stalker or the creep and then yeah. just kind of leaves that situation behind and doesn't resolve it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a um, bit of a dick move. Let's be honest. 
he yeah he doesn't really get he doesn't have much character development does he he's just mm-hmm. like uh someone who you feel sympathy for and then he be, proves that he's a jerk <laughs> like some well, mark and and this her thing about relationships because she did, her parents weren't very demonstrative you know mm-hmm. like the the reason she had the heart palpitation was because which she the, didn't have yeah which she didn't have was because the dad actually touched her the mum wasn't a um warm you know she was a list get on with you know very um directed in what she did uh, in what her thoughts you know what she was going to do that's why they were at the church praying wasn't it that you know she was they mm. were going she that she decided yeah, yeah. they were going to have a a brother remember yeah. uh so maybe her romantic connections with all the characters are because she wants to have some sort of feelings uh, it's about like it's all about a, a fantasy sort of thing i guess that yeah she fantasizes about about love mm. and all that but, sort of but stuff but her dad was more connected to his gnome you know in some mm. ways and that that was fun the the, the gnome went on fun trips didn't he and <laughs> those her relationships yeah she it's a film about yeah. relationships yeah right mm. um it's it's, it's an funny. interesting yeah here you go i was just gonna say that um the, I didn't even think of the Wes Anderson thing, but now the more I think about it, it feels like it could have been a Wes Anderson film, doesn't it? Which is mm. interesting now because, you know, that except, he does a lot of... Except no dog died, so it can't no be a Wes Anderson died. film. <laughs> I'm sure there was some sort of tragedy. I guess the mum Yeah, the, the tragedy was the mum. Yeah. But they didn't make you like her, so it's, mm, it's like a, a light-handed tragedy. It's Speaking unfortunate. Speaking of that part, she's um, the, the, the young actress who, um, who plays young Emily was, is very good. She was great, wasn't she? Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't have too strong memories of what she did, to be honest. Oh, what do you, you mean, see, just her expressions? Yeah, <laughs> when she's sitting on the roof doing the oh, plug, yeah, plug in the cable and pull it out when the guy was watching the soccer and, yeah. Um. I, guess, I guess the Wes Anderson elements of the narration and the kind of quirky character traits and all that sort of stuff. It's very funny and, like, I don't know enough about French cinema and stuff, but I, I can imagine that he has a lot of French influence. Hmm. It seems Is that a thing. I think, well... well his next yeah, movie's I, set in France, isn't it? And then... Oh, yeah, with Timothy Chamolet, right? Did you see that article that was like, this is the first year since 2014 without a Timothy film being released? <laughs> really? Everyone shattered. Wow. He's... Well, because he was going to be in June this year and he was yeah, going to be... They've delayed it. I guess they? in that as well. He's like got to be the big thing at the moment. Absolutely. Do you yeah. like him, Mum? You think he's cute? Mm. Yes, I think he's cute. <laughs> but I thought that's, that's a leading yeah, question. No, but she she was cute. I I felt a very warmness to her, and when we started the film, Tom did point out uh, the way it was filmed with her eyes, and it's definitely on point. That yeah, she's very eyes, good. Um, she's yeah, like, she's it's such, it's such a nuanced performance, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like yeah. you're, you're kind of it's being all the reactions and stuff. And, yeah, and she's this beautiful. sort of film, you're literally, you, it's, I mean, it's called Emily. It, the success of it entirely depends on, like, how good of a character she is. Character, you know? very mm. true, very true. So yeah. she's obviously does a really good job of carrying the film. Mm. Um, just on, before when you're talking about coincidence and stuff, it made me think of Magnolia. Um, I don't know if you've watched it, but that. we watched it just recently. And that's a film that's about uh, things randomly sort of happening. Happening, and. Mm. Um, occurrences and it's sort of funny seeing the different ways they went for it in this um but like i think leaning into the quirk and stuff is making like it works for the coincidence thing because it's not so um loaded like in magnolia it's sort of loaded they're trying to 
say something about coincidences, but in this, like it's using it for world creation and it's not trying to like make a an ethical or stance. It's not making a stance on uh, random occurrences, which was sort of relieving, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I guess this film does operate in this position, in between position of disbelief and, and kind of groundedness as well. Like it's mm. meant to be aloof and, and light, but also maintain you know maintain some sort of connection to reality i guess um mm-hmm. well, the, but the i think you're right I'm sorry just die stuff was the, yeah that's yeah, cool the, isn't it it's the, a good plot the, device hmm. i'm I mean, i'm all for like films being based around historical like specific historical events i think that's mm. really cool mm. yeah i like that part about it mm. um princess die uh yeah it made me think of a feeling and well, it, it's but, very it's flavorful mm. um because the audience obviously like has their um, own interpretation of what they were doing at the time, mm. but also and it, the movie started that way actually because what, that's how she drops the thing that hits the brick, and then that's where she finds the the toy box. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, even at the beginning of that, when the mum and the dad got together, and then there was the image of the the sperm swimming, and the, oh, yeah. yeah, so there was actually other things happening at that time. So yeah, you know, it's it was, funny mm. um, that you made that like film school connection because it's like it's the sort of film that you wish more film school students would make. Well, at least that's how I feel at the moment. Um, I, I'm just, I can only reflect on like your, your cohort. Not, I'm not canon your cohort. I just mean Wow. Like, <laughs> so I'm of, not allowed to talk about this film. podcast. <laughs> no. I just mean, it, it, I reckon there was, uh, what I'm trying to say is I think there was probably a period in the 2000s where the whole film school thing was about making kind of quirky films like this or, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas nowadays it, they're all very heavy, I would say, mm-hmm. tonally. Because yeah. it, it takes, right. I think, a lot of guts on the other hand. Like, you know, you're saying that that professor or that lecturer didn't like this film because it was too light and it didn't show the real France, blah, blah, blah. There's also like, a, it's a bold decision in one way to make a film that is completely light and airy as well, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it sort of undermines mm. the, the yeah, process it's... if you think that it's not... Completely seen. intentional, you know what I mean? But I guess You're it trying to say something else. It reflects, I guess, it reflects um, different eras of filmmaking. What you can and can't, you know, like we're in a, a thing now where everything means something and everything's very heavy and serious, you know, mm. um, and has like some ulterior kind of meaning or message that it's trying to send. The last yeah. like light, fluffy film like this, I guess, I saw was Little Women, but obviously that has like you know feminist undertones and that sort of thing. But it's really like that film. Uh, gets by on it's kind of like kind of joy of like how how like light and and um i guess kind of fun it is to live in or whatever mm. i also think that like your comments about this being an error well is that what you're sort of saying or is that an unfair is that a straw man well i i don't know maybe well because i'm just saying that like when you also think of the 90s and early thousands you think of like corny edge as well right like yeah i guess so. you get so i it's definitely like it's sort of like this thing where we talked about in film school, um, which was we had a whole class on national cinema and the idea is like, where does national cinema start and end? Is it legitimate in the first place? Because it's like, if you've got people from all over the world on your film set, are you really making an international, or, you know, a specific nationalistic film or something like that? So it's this whole complex argument. But basically the thing is with film theory, um, you can approach these films with so many different angles and different agendas and then you just like group the ones that support your theory and then ignore the ones that ignore it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, for example, me talking about how French films have good camera work, but it's a, a pool of three films. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. obviously, I'm ignoring all the films that have mm. non-interesting camera yeah. work. But really, like, I, I, I'm, a, a, you know, you have more experience than me. I'm operating from a period of time when I started actually watching films like seriously, which probably started, uh, you know, with you last year. Um, so my, I've only got like that year and a half where I actually cared enough to, to pay more attention to things to go, go through, you know, mm-hmm. but I guess mum, you've got a much longer experience of, um, watching films. But mine's probably more how I enjoy the film, not like, like not the detail that you are talking about, which is the, um, the way, the way it's shot and. But that's all, it's all embellishment to talk about. It's like, does the film move you or do you like it or not? Like. Well, that's the whole reason we unpack these things because it's trying to say, like, why do you feel that way? And the whole point is you might have written off a film before or loved another film Mm. and you're trying to figure out why you liked them in the first place. That's what film discussions and unpacking things are all about, right? True. I mean, what's good about a film? And when they make those sort of decisions, like in this, which is, you, I think you often end up with what, or you don't often end up, but that's where you get to territory where you could end up with someone's favorite film. Like, you know, when you watch a film and it may not be for you or you may not love it, but you go, I, I can just definitely tell that this is someone's vibe. Like someone really, mm-hmm. this sits very good for them. Mm. And this is one uh, of those films. Yeah. Um, approaching the first sort of like level of criticism of this film <laughs> is that like... Quickly before you go, have, have you guys discussed this bef- uh, beforehand or not? No. All right. Well done. Followed your rule. Yeah, you're in fresh territory. Mm. Um, the the first thing of criticism I was going to say is that like, do you think you'd like this film as much if you weren't appreciating these filmic qualities? Because in some ways I would say that appreciating the effort they went to sort of makes the film better, you know, like the film could have missed more if you were less tuned into that, maybe, in my opinion. What do you think, Shaz? I, I think uh, it was complete for me, so I probably didn't tune into all those things. So I, because I'm not, you know, I don't critique it like you guys do. But, but you are thinking think, Yeah, I, I am thinking a bit more, but but no, I don't think I, I – what was the question again? <laughs> Whether I would be yeah. – But you were just like, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I was busy thinking about – no, it 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 appealed to me. Uh, were we talk? What were we talking about? The, the well, Tom different... was saying I've, that I've like seen... it's not as good a film if you don't have all these things or you don't know about what went into it. And do you agree uh, with that? Because because it, it's different to what I what's normal for me. What I... the thing I'm dancing around here and trying, I suppose, sort of leading down a little bit was that my main criticism of the film, just to come out and say it, is that it sort of lacks a little bit of subtext for me, like the plot. Like, it's a very enjoyable film, but the plot sort of just happens. Like, I didn't find more profound meaning uh, to the film, which is, you know, like, that sounds a bit pretentious, like I'm just writing it off too easily. But it's also, like, the films that I absolutely love generally have a bit more, like, thing to bite on to to think about later on. Um, Yeah, and yet for me, it actually encapsulated the experience like I was in the story, it took me away from my life as that, which I like in a movie. Escapism. Yes, right. yeah, escapism, and um, yeah, a little bit dreamy. So I, I did go which away. It's, that's obviously completely legitimate. I'm mm. just saying that, like, that is a taste thing that came through for me. Um, and then, 
Like, but, is, but is that because, like, also she's a female character and, you know, I'm a bit romantic thinking? Well, I um, want to bring, like, another thing that I'd thought watching it um, was that I thought she was a little manic dream pixie girl. Yeah, but that, I think that was appealing about her. As, do you know, Do you know? have you heard of that? that no. So it's like this criticism that comes through. It's like a famous sort of critic uh, label, which is where they make these. meme. <laughs> yeah, it's a meme. Where you make like um, fil- female characters that operate, they're all a bit weird, but they can all be fixed by a boy, and they operate like solely for the attention of a boy, sort of, and mm-hmm. then just not realistic people. Mm-hmm. Um, another way of un- so like, it's like they've all got quirky like haircuts, and they listen to like the Smiths, and they, you but know, they get they get hammered out straight, not straight literally, but like they get, um, you know, you know, a guy grounded. solves them. And they're yeah. happy when they find a man. But I don't think that was the case, really. Uh, I think it's a little bit because she's she's quite an interesting. Uh, she hasn't. She's a more interesting, like introvert sort of thing, where it's like, ah, oh, these things are what she's enjoying, and yet she's sort of simplified by the end of the film by falling in love with someone, and then she just becomes a bit more normal again. And like, I know the whole angle is that she's she's quirky, and then she meets someone else who's quirky, so he's perfect for her. But, but it didn't have to be a him. Is um. But it was, though. Yeah, it was, yeah. What do you think, Nick? Good brother. Um, I I get it. But also, like, I think that there's obviously a place for romance as well. Um, and just because I think that you and I may be more cynical doesn't mean we're always right about that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. It depends. Like, yeah. it's, she wasn't over-sexualized or anything like that. So I think that... Yeah, no, I, I, agree. I appreciate I agree. that as well. And yeah. it didn't feel very, like, male gazy. So I think it was probably okay no, in that regard and she mm. carries the film she's the star of the film and the only person you kind of really uh, get around is her so i don't know i don't i i get what you're saying but i don't think that is necess- that far in that territory i guess it's just thinking about what her arc is you could maybe criticize it in that way like what's her arc she like lives but the other person in my just jumping there had a message was the artist like I thought he had a, he had lessons in life to be shared as well. Well, it's not about, and, and it doesn't, it is romantic, but it's not necessarily all romance. Like he's not the only point or the only valuable relationship that she interacts with. You know what I mean? It's not all about no. her getting, getting the guy. And really mm-hmm. beyond, uh, she's kind of in control of that romantic situation the whole time anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not being swept off her feet by some guy. It's like she likes the guy and yeah, yeah. does all this wacky shit to get him. Anyway, I was surprised because I did Google what the phrase was and they have like a definitive Wikipedia list of what, who are the dream pixie girls. Oh, really? Let's and, look at it. Read off some. Uh, I have to get it up. Is, is Manic Pixie Dream Girl on your recently searched? It is. I've got it up right here. So we go through... Scott Pilgrim uh, is the one that I always think about and that's the first person that came up yeah um so we have manic dream uh, pixie dream girls in literature you've got uh daisy from the great gatsby um apparently a character at norwegian wood tiffany from silver linings playbook um and then when we get to films so it's actually it's sorted by year i'm just amazed that there is like a um you know a, 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 it starts in 1878 for published mm-hmm. for, for it's literature. Been a while. that's hilarious so you get you get pretty woman Julia Roberts, um, uh, Mary Jensen in Something About Mary. I feel like that's a good example. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then what's re- anyway, what surprised me is that Emily is on the list. So like I w- was sort of going to say that it was an idea I wanted to discuss, but I, I hadn't committed to it either. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm surprised it's grouped there because I don't think it's that simple, but it Wait, is. What, what film? Sorry. Emily. Emily. Emily's on oh, the list. It is in the list. Yeah, mm. which is interesting to me. Okay, but if you uh, look at the definition for Wikipedia, it says, exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Um, mm. I don't know. Maybe the argument it doesn't work here is that... She is the main character she, Well, at the she's the, the day, lead. And, and she's, not, this, she's not completely unhinged by a guy either, right? Mm. Yeah. Like, she doesn't lose her identity from the guy, I'd say, is very, very strong about it. Defense. It's fascinating. Look at this list. Looking at this list, isn't it? Mm, it's quite. Like, how funny would it be if you if you write a film and you think that? <laughs> yeah, I've finally done. It. I've written a. You've like, a I've written a well-rounded female, female character. character. <laughs> her, like yeah, her. She, like, it's a voice. Her, like, <laughs> Scarlett Johansson's voice is is a manic pixie dream girl. Well, I think that that's such a. You remember her? Yeah, that's such a interesting one and i feel like it's it's a low blow because it's like i think it's deliberately that do you know what i mean that's the whole point of the film but yeah. she is a manic dream pick anyway eternal um, sunshine punch drunk love you can definitely see it yikes. it's like if you if you have dyed hair you're probably a manic dream pixie girl but then otherwise you know what sucks like... is that they put the portrayed by in there as well like they're condemning the the mm. woman for playing the role i think that's a bit of a dick yeah, move yeah. um an interesting thing that goes along with that um so just firstly what's interesting if you look at audrey tatao tattoo probably which is the actor um there were some photos like um that come up and it's like if you see her in the era of emily she looks exactly like emily but then if you see her outside of it she looks nothing like her it's really funny and sort of confusing but anyway um so apparently in the dvd commentary jonet explains that he originally wrote the role of emily for Emily Watson, which I'm... Okay, I've just sort of ruined my point is a little bit null because I thought that Emily Watson was Emma Watson. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote the role for a six-year-old Hermione. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I do know who this Emily Watson is, but I don't know what she's in. The seams are showing on the pod today. Yeah, geez. This is just a casual chat. Oh, she's in Chernobyl. <laughs> That's helpful. Uh, Shaz, she's the woman. save it. She's the woman in Punch Drunk Love, which is a uh, which, which was a manic which was a, dream girl. Yeah, I did see that as well. MPDG. Um, I didn't know that. Man, Do I need to write my... a, an MPDG song? It's in your eyes. Anyway, so that, that story is a lot more interesting if it's Emma Watson, <laughs> i got to say. Hey, uh, can, we, can we picture this, this film? And it's like, you've got the <laughs> young Emily, Emma and Watson. then you've got the, <laughs> she grows up to be Emma Watson as a 12-year-old. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, you must get up the stairs now. <laughs> anyway. What are you looking at, Chaz? I'm looking at the images. And of, her, of Emily. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway. Mm. Thought she was scrolling her letterbox. Okay, let me save this with a redeeming fact that I noticed. Did you notice for the longtime listeners of the wildly successful rapper Wale, there was a sample in this movie? Did you notice this, good brother? I did not. Thank you very much. I was extremely proud for, for picking mm. my ears. Mm. Um, so I googled it and it's verified. Um, the song La Valse de Amelie, which is the waltz of Emily or Emily's Emily's waltz, uh, was sampled in the Wale song Diary. Oh yeah. What, yeah. What's happening in the film? Film. It was it, well, that actually, yeah, let's segue this to music. The music in the film was really good, first of all. Secondly, it was sort of confusing tonally to me, though. Like, it seemed, sometimes it would seem melancholy and a bit sad when she wasn't particularly sad, which mm-hmm. is interesting to me. Um, so it, it played a few times, and the film was actually full of um, motifs. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, a lot of songs and then reworkings to, to play it differently like, later on. But um, I surely you can play the, uh, the, the songs that I'm talking about right now for the, for the listeners. Legally, but, um, uh, I don't know for comment. Well, legally, I'm pretty sure we're allowed to. You're allowed to show art if you're commentating on it, like if you're uh, reviewing, so that people are allowed to review. So let me just quickly review the songs. Oh, I think garbage. that the Waltz of Amelie is a really good song, and I think that Diary from Wale has certainly aged, and it's <laughs> it's not as meaningful nowadays to me. But you know, it's a good sample. You want to talk about that Wale album, Attention Deficit? Yeah. So it was obviously a significant album in our. Like I, I remember I listening that's to it. Sig- I mean, it's significant. I don't think it was that significant. It was, I think, heavily helmed by Mark Rodson from memory, which is a little oh, bit really? of a uh, fact. I think he was the rapper he was working with around that time. Good um, album cover, you have to admit. Good album cover. Um, some weird, whack features. I remember really like uh, the, the Lady Gaga song is very bad. Oh, uh, yeah. As with I go. Na, 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 na. That song. Looking at, yeah. looking at, looking at me. Yeah, that's the sort of stuff you love in those days. And the other, the other thing that that brings to mind is um, Poker Face on, um, on the Kid Cudi album. Yeah, very strange. Um, what do you? What yeah, do you Wale think was Wale good. I think he had a period of of goodness, and then I don't know if that was necessarily it. I think he's a bit of uh, a meme nowadays. Elder brother used to like. Was he, was he the one with Jerry Jordan's, the EP? He did oh, the this album? stuff with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. He had an album and two mixtapes, but Seinfeld-themed. There you go. He was sort of like Lupe, like someone you really liked in 2000. I think Lupe something. holds up. All right. No, Lupe absolutely holds up. Let's talk about The Cool and uh, Food and Liquor on a separate podcast. <laughs> but anyway. You come Probably. for objectively film, objectively true film reviews. You stay for the Wale reviews. Back on I want to get some stuck into some some Shaz opinions. Yeah, so, let's go. Hot take. Let, Fire kick, off some yeah, questions. Kick us off with the take, Shaz. Or ask some questions. My, what, what, my review, like my, my, what did I remembered. Did you take notes? Or? You did. Oh, yeah, oh, just now, I just would. Oh, let's look at well, your I was notes. Just tra- 
She's probably well, more, she's just... probably had her notes done earlier than I did, to be honest. Well, no, but... I, I did not. You did yours earlier not. <laughs> I was just thinking what I remembered about the movie. Do you even work, Shaz, or do you just sit around waiting for the new podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to me, it started with the parents. Neither of them were particularly demonstrative. They were very doing their own thoughts. Um, the dad and his health concerns were as a uh, like a first part of the how it affected like her as a little as a girl and of course the mum's death was a little bit crazy and then it, then we ended up in the when she went to the the city of paris and things revolved around the cafe characters i don't think it actually is paris just got to say oh, which well, is interesting yeah well quite well, slightly different but yeah you're probably right um yeah but if the characters there there was you know she had a a um a writer that was a fa- like a failed writer and there was a, the hypochondriac and the the drunk boyfriend you know the ex stalker boyfriend uh oh. and the the painter he well he was in her so she had, there was two places wasn't there there was the characters from the cafe mm-hmm. and they were from where she lived in her apartment block mm-hmm. there was the the painter and the lady that was a landlord and yeah, there was another romantic yeah. Yeah, thing that, there. Yeah, that was a good sub yeah. story, wasn't it? Yeah, and with the letters, letters, yeah, and then the boy, the shop that Can they I ask lived. You this quickly, mm-hmm. um, with the letters, would you rather like? Do you think the lady who received the letters did it improve her life to I receive think it, the fake I think letter? it improved her life. Yeah. So if you because were her, she was you still would have carrying, liked to have received that. Letter. Yeah, she was still carrying the flame. You know, she had the dog looking at the. You know, the window and yeah. So yeah, the humour and the fun to the, and when she did the naughty things for the boss that was mean to the. I thought they were more savage than it seemed. Like. Oh, they were naughty. You definitely mess up someone's head if you did that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But but wasn't that her point? He was messing up the other guy. Yeah. But whether he knew that's why. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. You know, in 2020, the real action would have been calling him out in front of all those people, which I guess you would understand. Yeah. But it's more but about fa- like that quote's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Where she's like, um, oh, yeah, we know you're not a radish because you don't have a heart. <laughs> and then everyone applauds. Mm. A radish heart. This just shows how little you know about vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> this is a reoccurring theme on the Ego Hour podcast. <laughs> what was it? An artichoke. Because there's an a artichoke. Part of the yeah, artichoke. Yeah, I was thinking the, the artichoke. Yeah, the heart. artichoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're nice artichoke hearts. You're like, yeah. what a beautiful, what beautiful imagery. A radish heart. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure I'd miss that bit, but I, yeah, I hear it. Mm. And actually, that speaking, of, that was funny when he went back. She went to the mum's house, who had taken all the notes, and she mm. knew everyone's gossip. And the dad and was a good character, character even though yeah. he was a minor. I'd forgotten about that until the mm. dad's just like reeling off one-liners. Mm. I can't remember what he says anymore, but he was funny. Yeah, look, I found it fun, clever, entertaining, and it, you know, the 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 gnome going on his little trips and the. What did you think? But even I liked the the painter how he was doing what he was doing and the the video, you know, how she'd save little videos and that was wasn't that interesting the the horse jumping the fence, and oh yeah. Like all those little messages and little thought provoking. Well, things. I know I thought that I have this under memes, but I thought she was doing an early version of YouTube. Basically, <laughs> she's yeah. just like recording clips and sending mm. them to him. Mm. So. But I thought that was cute, and he did the same. Yeah. Mm. So let's get some some takes now. Um, like, which of those characters did you like, and which of them? Did Obviously, you her. I was in love with her. I thought she was great. As a um, writer, mm. if you're writing this film, would you have cut any of those characters or? 
change them? Were you were you dissatisfied with any with any of those characters? Uh dissatisfied. Uh no, I think they were dismissed in the right way they needed to be and so no. What about the... obviously I liked it. Yeah. And I it took took my attention and that's what appeals to me with it. Yeah. Mm. Um what did you think about the dad's arc? Because like I found I found the dad's interesting because at the start they kind of make the dad a villain mm. because he's a bit oppressive as a mm-hmm. father figure and lets her down. Yeah. But then by the end of the film they want you to like him again. Yeah. Like I he's agree. sort of a victim. Mm. Um did you think that's believable and how do you think it aided? Yeah, I think it is believable as you age and you have different roles like um like she be- she became the the carer you know the what direction he should take his life rather than him giving her direction the way she should act under his roof sort of you know I thought their relationship got better. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Yeah, I thought I thought it's interesting because it's much more fun liking the dad than disliking the mm. dad. But then story-wise, you don't get Emily as a strange individual unless the dad is a bad dad early on, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. And what? he wasn't a bad dad. He was just a little oppressive, like you yeah. said. It's all very idealistic in that if you lived in a world where, like, an upbringing like that didn't actually mentally traumatise you but just gave you quirks. Like, mm. like... But she was homeschooled and she she didn't have a social life with anyone but... yeah. Her own room and her... Yeah, the modern film is like Joker or something, right? <laughs> I, th- is a jo- I feel like we, Joker we, needs I, a song. thought we promised not to talk about Joker on this podcast. <laughs> well, Emily, look, maybe she's not a manic dream pixie girl, but she's a bit of an incel, all said and done. You've said incel far too many times uh, across these episodes, I think. I think you should start bleeping it now, surely. Anyway. I should start logging it. Yeah, what about... Um, the Joker song is th- going to be called Low Hanging Fruit. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Low hanging uh, radish. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the shopkeeper's assistant? What did he do for the story? He brought in another because he was different. I think he brought in a, a, a like you, you wanted to bat for him. You wanted him to get his position. So I thought... I, I mean, uh, sort of like... Um, did he have a, a physical impairment as well? Like, um, I'm not sure, did he, Was his arm? Did you like... like? Do you think he was commenting... Do you think he affected the, the theme of the film? Like... I suppose it's like that, that treat people with kindness sort of vibe that the film's going for. Mm. Um, well, she definitely lifted the under underdog. or she, that Yeah, was, she that made was people's lives, lives better. Well, that's, that's what I think she was trying to do. And mm. um, based on what they showed us, she did for those characters. But, yeah, what, how did you about, feel about, about it all, About Nick? that character or about the film? Mm. Well, I don't know. It's The message is, I think, a bit... If you're looking for a message, I think you're not going to find a really strong one in this film beyond kind of like be nice to people which Mm. is a bit you know it's not it's not much of a message really like the film is about i think the film works as a romantic film romantic comedy beyond anything Uh, like it doesn't Mm. work on in much in another category in my opinion 
And I guess going back to what you were talking about in terms of uh, it, it, how the way it looks and stuff like that, I guess you're right. Like the film doesn't hold up as much without the kind of good camera work and all that sort of stuff. It really, it does elevate it to a different realm where it's more about a world, I guess, than any strong meaning or, mm-hmm. or anything. Great. You just yeah, meant to get well swept said. up in, in the, in the scene, in the, in the, in the film, in the world. Really, yeah. Yeah, mm, I found agreed. that I liked. I really liked the sound in the film. I thought it was really well done as well. Um, the two, like, I thought they were doing good subtle things. For example, when she's cutting out the shapes at the table, and then like the camera moves. It's like double speed, and then she like cuts out all these shapes, and then the camera moves in, and she cuts more shapes. Like, do you remember that sequence? Anyway, as it dollies in, they put like a slow like mechanic, like a mechanical gear, like a. A conveyor belt sound so it moved forward it's like and i thought that was like it's obviously like breaking the fourth wall in a nice subtle way and i thought that was cool and then for example when nino comes in the door and they kiss like it's silent but the floor creaks mm. and stuff like I, that. I noticed like, that as well yeah that's very funny it's funny that like that's the one i particularly picked up on they're very cute and tonal and world building as we've express i think that i think you've solved it it's a it's a world building film rather than it probably a, explains why it was you know the romantic element of it is i guess so in line with um every like people who don't live in france's view of france like you know or what you want france to be like is probably this mm-hmm. film and that's probably mm-hmm. why it was so damn successful overseas and i guess i can imagine a lot of people in france being pissed that this is like the french, <laughs> like such a big french film because it's like Oh, of course they think this is France, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yes, quite a contrast to Lahaine, certainly. <laughs> Which well, is you like know, but we're all like cityscape and mm. grungy. This is like clean and, you know, fun. Yeah, uh, but we're all kind of maturing, I guess. Or maybe not, but it feels like cinema is maturing in a sense that we don't all just go... We don't think of, uh, uh, sorry, not not even just in cinema, but in the world. People don't really see other countries as through the fog, the mist, you know, that they used to, as just these kind of very caricature uh, places. You know, caricature places, yeah, yeah, like simple understandings of what a country is like, or all that well, sort of stuff. What's interesting is that I do. I've thought about this before, which is that cinema definitely has a big responsibility in portraying a country, though, because like we can just sort of say how that's not affecting but it absolutely does like that's the only vision you've had of that city ever and you probably you might ever only get from that city like Mm -hmm. particularly i think the classic example is like the middle east like when they were showing people in the 70s 80s like people with turbans and they're like what's going on here what's all this business like they were the only images you see of that stuff and so many people it's it's in australia yeah so many people in australia are never going to go to the pyramids you know what i mean so like um it it is sort of an interesting. Well, to be honest, if they're going to go anywhere, they are going to go to the pyramids anyway, which is a tourist attraction. They're not going to go to so. actual yeah, places streets, where people yeah. live. Yeah. So I suppose, like, you know, it's just another level of the national cinema stuff as well, though. Like, countries definitely have like an agenda and a storyline sort of thing. Um, and I got to say that being like the romantic country is pretty great. Don't you reckon? Like, it, mm. that's a good thing for france to claim oh yeah i mean you wouldn't be upset a... about that yeah well you know how like french have well, you that, like th- that uh reputation as having like <laughs> like mm. sexy accents as well oh 
Ah, so <laughs> you weren't thinking that? What no, I was thinking, thinking I was thinking rude sometimes. Oh. The people say French people can be rude. Yeah. But, um, but then Australian accents are well-loved overseas, apparently. I got that in uh, LA a bunch. They were like, surely you're doing well with the leaves. And I was like, yeah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does make me think about what the Australian image is. And to me, from experience of traveling, it's just like the thing that comes up all the time is, is like danger, which is just yeah, like they, funny. That's a good you thing know. to have though because it makes us seem like impressive. And it's it like, feels like we're tough. They go, every, no, I yeah, live the in the city. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's too goes, much dust in my apartment. And yeah. <laughs> like we go to Sydney and criticize them for having like mice on the street. And <laughs> it's just like, it's a little Sydney burn for you right there. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny. But like France in this era, I guess what? People are thinking about house music still. And um... <laughs> you've got like Giorgio. <laughs> Moroder. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. Did you what like do you mean me? that's about it? That's like. Nope. That was a joke. Literally on a. Je- okay, sorry. Sheesh. Sorry. Carry on, Chaz. Good, good brother. Did you like it? Did I? Well, I mean. We need more. That's the the next. The review's a bit later. I mean, I guess we're nearing oh. the review part. Let's like, maybe Wait. get in some last thoughts before. Yeah, let's, the, I want to throw out review. another thing. I didn't like the old man painter. I thought he was probably like the him. weakest character. No, no, that's what I was saying. I liked. He was he was giving messages. No, but I felt so. I felt he was too heavy handed. Like he was too obviously a plot device of looking inside yourself sort of thing. Like he like you know. That, that stuff about what's wrong with her eyes. I can't paint her eyes. And he's like, maybe this. And like, you know, a little bit cute, but it's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, that guy didn't have much substance. He's painting it. He has a video camera on a clock and he's spying through windows. But like, but he, he, was, he, was he a... doesn't really have a redemption. Like, he doesn't have much of an arc either. For a character who's pretty important, he just like, he's like a man who unfortunate circumstances have rendered one way. And then like, he's nice sometimes and then a little mean other times. Uh, I, I get that that's a bit real, but I don't know. Did I he was just sort of there to advance Emily by inspiring her, in my opinion. Um, I think he could have had his own story arc a bit more, a bit more literally. What do you think, Chaz? You're a firm defender of the man. What do you think? Well, I I I thought there was a good. He was in a good space because he also was there for the other, um, like the boy hmm. from the um. So he's obviously got skeletons in his cupboard as well and a backstory to things. And I think that she sort of saw those when she was giving him the, yeah. No, I, I liked him. I suppose on that, I'm a bit surprised how little the uh, original guy plays into the story. Do you reckon? He doesn't have much payoff. She yeah, gives him point. the things. But that, you it's know, like, surely he'll be around a bit more. The orig- yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't he, know. I think yeah, it he, works he, that he, way. Uh, the way it turned out, because uh, it just like obviously ignites this passion for altruism, not altruism, you know what I mean, for yeah, altruism in, in, in her. Mm, the, I think the, it, that's one of the best scenes where she's at the bar and she's listening to him talk to the bartender. Um, mm. That's really like mm. the, the viewer suspense mm. is really enjoyable. Mm. Um, the other scene that I really liked is the, the scene where she takes Nino to the park and she's got him following the lines and stuff mm. like that. That's a really good scene, and I love how she's got like the, uh, you know, the scarves and Discarved stuff over her head. Scars, that's yeah. that's a very, mm. at the risk of using the wrong word, fun scene. Mm. It's very enjoyable as a viewer. Romantic. 
Yeah. That was a romantic scene. And it's all about romance. Basically, yeah. we're coming to the conclusion if you've got a cold radish heart, you're not going to like this film. <laughs> all right, I think I think we're running out of time, I reckon. I reckon mm. we should get to the mm. to the verdicts. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I liked it. Oh, mm. uh, can you wait your turn, please? <laughs> <laughs> there is a, I know that you're a guest and I know you're excited, but there's a, a way things work on this show. It was fun. Okay. <laughs> you, can, you can field the first question. So, don't talk. Don't steal my question. This is my role as, as oh, this is chaos. As light um, host. As light host. Um, so, Shaz, Lil Silky, mm. what worked for you with this film? We'll start with Shaz. Well, I think I've said mine a few. I've spoiled, thrown, spoiled it early, but I it took me away. It made me feel a little bit. Obviously, it's make believe, but there's a level of fun to that and removes you from your current situations yeah like so no i i liked it and what what else was the further question on that no that that's it what 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 you mm. liked it what worked for you yeah i loved it was romantic romantic and did everything i comedy for me and uh, but yet because of the language you had to read i had to focus so it kept me entertained well i found it entertaining and fun and a good couple of hours well spent. I have a quick uh, branch off question. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? Did you like Portrait of a Lady on Fire? The other hour of the film we've covered? Loved, loved it. it. Loved it, yeah. So what I, did you love about that? Obviously, you had to pay attention because there was French words on the screen. Yeah. Uh, again, that was a bit romantic to me. And um, the way it... Uh, uh, yeah, I just d- loved the story. Uh yeah, I, I just love the char- love the character, love the characters. Yeah, I, yeah. If I may, this little aside and talking about reading a film has made me think of something else. So you know how when Parasite came out, how there was all that sort of discussion about. I think Trump said it's like ridiculous that you have to read a film or something like that. I don't know. I this is, it's one of my favorite. I know that it's probably not the right thing to say. One of my favorite Trump moments was <laughs> him at a rally going, "Oh, in a Korean film." Won the uh, best picture. Is it good? I don't know. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're loving it. Um, yeah. Like, and then, yes. so I, is it good? I watched, we don't know. <laughs> I watched the Oscars then. And like, there was definitely this weird nationalism going on because like American films won it all the time, right? And so I'm watching the Oscars. And then I was watching the post Oscars like discussion show. And they had Stephen A. Smith on. Like, seriously. So for any of our um, people who don't know him, Stephen A. Smith, look up like Kwame Brown, uh, Stephen A. Smith rant or like um, Stephen A. Smith weed because he like says, oh, please, you got to stay off the weed and stuff like that. Anyway, he's like a shock jock and um, he's on there and he's going, oh, no way, man. Once upon a time in Hollywood, definitely should have won Best Picture. <laughs> it's just like, why am I listening to a sports commentator tell me about why an American film is good just because it doesn't have subtitles and it was just ridiculous. Yeah, it's anyway. it's very funny. We should do a Oscar episode when it comes around. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I don't know. Just all of those. The whole the nationalism stuff is is bizarre, and it's like mm-hmm. Hollywood absolutely like dominates the international cinema scene, and it's like why would you even need to ha- like feel that way, like that American film doesn't win one year, you know? 
And it's very much like a Hallmark event anyway. And when I say Hallmark, I mean like Hallmark the, the birthday cards. Like we only believe the Oscars are legitimate and important because they've sold it to everyone that's as being true. legitimate yeah. and important. Um, apparently there's Same a thing that's the like, that's how they like got their clout in the first place was just by like inviting people and giving people awards. Like you make it legitimate by praising people and then people are like, oh, they like me, so it must be good. And they start showing up and stuff like that. There's a long, you know. This would have won Oscars, like I imagine, the, Emily. Hmm. I didn't hmm. think it did, oh, but it was, yeah, it was, it was nominated. nominated for, yeah. It didn't it, win Best International Film. It got um, nominated for Best yes, Original did, Screenplay, though, which I haven't mentioned yet, but I would like to give some praise for that. I really love when a film is not based on a book or a prior existing entity because it you know, depresses me that everything has to be a book or something else. Um, and I did think the story is like uber creative at least, you know what I mean? Like the, mm. the, like whether you like it or not, it's very refreshing to see a film that's made to be a film and it's very, um, yeah, ambitious. Yeah, I wonder what one. Um, it's, uh, we haven't spoken about how fire her haircut is yet. It's a very the French good bob. I liked it. I how do you feel about it, Chaz? I liked it a lot. We actually got uh, like, a, a, a hairdresser, a, an expert on this. What do you think uh, about retired, it? Retired. 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 Out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I liked her hair. Her hair was great. Uh, they, it was interesting. There was a period where they had her hair pinned back. So I was just trying to think what character she was there then. Um, was it when she no. was leading the guy around, like directing him? That she had her hair back maybe? Mm-hmm. It's also good. I really enjoy the storyline of the guy. How they have how he has all the photo cutouts of this one bloke, and then it turns out he's just like the uh, yeah the service man. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably one yeah. of the film's best punchlines. Yeah. <laughs> the film that. that the international film that won was called No Man's Land, which is from Bosnia, oh, and it's a Bosnian war film. There I you have go. To give it a sus. Mm. Not anyway, nearly back on track. Enough. Back on. We haven't but, used that song in a while. Back on track. Um, yeah, so you were you saying, what, she's, she's already done it. Romance. Yeah, I think. Good yeah. haircut. Took, and took me away. Made me. Yeah, took her away. So the world creation. Yeah. What do you think, Little okay. Silk? What do I like? I like the ambitious camera movement. Um, always a big fan of that. Um, I actually, I think I, by the end, I was uh, appreciative of the colour scheme. You know, I think it's, it's cool when you can code your own world by committing to something that doesn't look like other stuff. So it's a good move. Um, I thought the CGI was ahead of its time. It looked good. Didn't didn't age it in a bad way. Um, oh, I loved the music. A very strong point of the film. Um, I enjoyed the ambitiousness of the story. Um, and, you know, I like how she courts the guy. That's pretty fun. All right. What do we, what would we change? Shaz, what would you change? I haven't thought of any negatives actually. You don't have um, to say anything yeah. if you don't want to. Yeah, look. I, hmm. Just make sure your review at the end, the star rating you assign, reflects the fact that you gave no criticism. Have you, you thought might up get a star rating, on air Because no, I, we'll I get I criticised con- on I hadn't air considered every my time. Star rating. All right. So when uh, Tom rants on for about twenty minutes about what could have been better, that's you can think up your star rating, so you can zone out. Yep. All right. What do you? What would you change, Thomas? What would I change? Um, I think I want more subtext. I want a little, like, whilst I appreciate that they didn't commit to the 
things just happen sort of thing, like, because that's a bit uh, tired and a bit lame to me. Um, I would have liked a little more subtext, a little more of a themic payoff um, as to, to why she is the way she is, or her arc could have ended on something that was a bit less just falling in love with a guy for me. And I suppose the way that that really, the, the thing that grinded my gears the most about that was the old painter man. He was purely plot functional to me. I didn't, I, I just would have loved some more depth to him if he did something else. Like, okay, picture this. You've got the, the old man. You completely replace that man with the guy whose toy she gives back to him in the first place. If he's the sage man who gives her the inspiration to, to you know, approach life head on, I think that's a lot more interesting. Thoughts? It doesn't really work though because she's serving, like, you can't have the character that she's given doing a service, this bloke, as the person who is also like, teaching her because it's meant to be about her learning to give and then getting rewards in that way like that's i don't know my opinion no i disagree i like my point i stand by it because I, I wanted to see more of that guy i really liked that guy as well i just didn't like the painter man sorry um you know my manic pixie concerns are there a little bit i think you could have changed that if it's not such a functional thing that she has to learn how to love sort of thing Maybe I, I, I would have been a bit more satisfied maybe if it ended up with her uh, improving the dad's life or something like that. That could have been a different angle a little bit. If the main arc is making the dad happier and get into life as opposed to finding her love, they both could have happened at the same time. But if you put more emphasis on the dad, that might have I might have enjoyed that a bit more because um, that would have been a good example of how you can change people who are set in their ways or something like that. I think I would have liked that message a little more. Um, yeah, those are my main comments, I think. Yeah, that's what All I'd right. change. You've had your 20-minute sessions. What is your star rating? Is that a five? Yeah. Yeah, I'd give it a four because I, I, I'm not looking with a critic's eye. I'm looking at how it made me feel and it made me feel, made me feel warm, fun, and... Um, engaged me so yeah I found it like as far as taking me from my life uh, for if I may ask a shaggy patented question mm -hmm. where do you think you lost where do you think the film lost the star um well yeah whether it's lost or whether it's there's always room for something else to be if I dug, if, like I'm taking it from what you guys talked about, what you saw, it lacked. Uh, maybe that's made me think about that a bit more. That's um, I, I didn't see the um, colours the way you did. I was immediately engaged in her eyes, and which they wanted as well, didn't they? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you've given me something else to think about, so that's where... Would you happily watch this movie again tomorrow? Because I feel like that's an important criteria uh, on ratings. Yeah, I, I for think me it, at least. Yeah, yeah, I think I could. I think I could for sure. Because I'd see all those things and focus on those things that you have mentioned. All right, cool. Little silk. This is a tough one because I feel in two minds about it. Like I feel like I could really praise the film and give it a high rating because I think it's one of the best at what it is. Like I really enjoy the. Uh, the, the the world creation and it's maybe my definitive 
French romantic world creation love film sort of thing. Um, but in terms of like, you know, really being keen to rewatch this, I have to give this film a three and a half. All right. Um, I'm more Tom territory. I thought there was obviously like a lot to like about it. Um, but I, I guess, yeah, maybe it's just didn't have kind of the subtext or whatever that would have kind of pushed it over the edge for me. But I mean, it's a good way to spend two hours and it was pretty, like I watched it in the morning. That was like a nice way to spend my morning. Any other comments? Do you have uh, any improvements or um, derogatory comments you'd like to hurl? Oh, not really. I mean, I think that I really like the way the storytelling is good. Like I, I, I really like, you know, use of narration. I like the I like films where they explain a character or get you int- familiar with a character um, very quickly. And I guess like, you know, you could, could complain that the characters are kind of one-dimensional in that sense that they can be explained in, you know, two sentences or something like that. But it all kind of works in a way to just kind of keep it interesting and moving forward, you know. So mm-hmm. I think um, that was my... Yeah, so I, I yeah, like I said, if I'm gonna, the only negatives is really just like the kind of lack of something underneath to think maybe. about afterwards. Yeah, it is sort of impressive they made a film where there are so many characters and like it, it you know, considering you watch like Relic and there's five characters or something like that, and then you look at the cast of this and it's like twenty or thirty notable characters. Yeah, it's impressive that it can cover ground like that. I guess. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm probably like a. Th- uh, that was a. Th- uh, it's a three to three and a half. Um, Commit. Um, yeah, I think it's probably a. a <laughs> um, I think it's a, okay. Three and a half. Yeah. It's good. There's too much to like for it not to be a three and a half. I think. Yeah, that's the way I feel. But I don't see it in the same uh, rating as like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Like I would have given what that would a you? five. A five. Yeah, nice. I, I loved it. it uh, I that, did as well. That, so. You can see the uh, really, relationship, the yeah. strong relationship between that really engaged me for um, good mother and great good brother and great mother. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a that was a beautiful movie. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah but this was this was a fun movie. So yeah, it's opinion. fun. Mm. So thank you. Uh, thank cool. you. <laughs> thank right, you for um, coming on the show. Yeah. Any other comments you want to make, Shaz? Any any I guess Close shout outs. Up. Anything about this film, another film, any any song, anything you want to chat about, any politics? Oh, I could do it. I could not politics. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a hearing and feels and vis, visual, not not a politics. And um, do you know that you might have Tom at the end of the month? Because he's that's got- for the listeners. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so the the ego the ego problem boys are getting back together. Lil Silky official on Instagram. Private account. Um, Lil apostrophe Silky on Letterboxd. Probably the most significant social media follow you can give me. Chuck me a um, follow on Instagram at I'm Good Brother. Um, There'll be the, the Ego Problem Facebook page. Yes. There's probably something for this podcast. Give that all a like. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaz, what can we follow you on? Can people look up Morning Feels on Wednesday? <laughs> no, I don't think they're <laughs> shaking her head. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. One more well, thing. It's prob- it'll be dated by the time this is aired, but hopefully we are um, celebrating a Geelong Cats premiership um, be- when we beat the, the Pies tonight. Sorry, Shag. 
We can do a post-game episode, cool down. Yes, let's do a grand final pod. It's just completely irrelevant. <laughs> and it comes out like six months later. <laughs> awesome. Well, All right. this has been another classic. Goodbye. Another classic or a fresh one. If we knew what we wanted, you'd be useless. Tell us what's in, tell us who's done. Another antique shipwreck you spun.